Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Officer Roll Call Podcast. I'm Paul Peluso, the editor of Officer Magazine. I'm joined as always by Frank Borelli, the editorial director of Officer Media Group. How's it going today, Frank? Good morning, sir. Going well. How about you? Hey, pretty good. So in this episode, we'll be talking about uh, firearms and accessories in, in the March-April issue of Officer Magazine, which will be available in print and online in mid-April. There's a special section devoted to firearms and um, firearms accessories. So Frank penned three articles based around the topic, two of which will appear in the print edition and one of which will appear, appear exclusively on officer.com. The first article is a review of the Beretta APXA1 handgun, while the other two take a look at holsters and guns for self-defense. So Frank, if you can just start out talking about AP, the APXA1, um, I know you got to spend a little bit of time with it, testing it, and how that went. Yeah, so, <clears throat> you know, as I said in the article, when you look at the history of polymer frame handguns, it really started in 1985 uh, during the Army's trials for a new um, duty weapon. You know, um, there was some polymer frame weapons that were submitted uh, and the Beretta M91, uh, the Beretta 92FS, as we came to know it in law enforcement, um, military designation M9, won that competition. But it really, uh, because of that competition and the polymer frames handguns that were submitted, it was kind of a wake-up call to the industry. And um, Beretta, being the oldest existent privately owned uh, corporation in the world, and that still amazes me today to hear that, um, took that to heart and started, uh, you know, their engineering process on new designs. And the, the Beretta APXA-1 was kind of the end result. Uh, you know, this polymer frame weapon with a 17-round standard magazine capacity, chambered for 9 millimeter, very ergonomic feeling in the hand. It's got a really aggressive undercut on the front of the, the um, grip underneath of the trigger guard. Um, you know, the, the light rail that you expect on the front end. Great handling characteristics. Um, decent MSRP, you know, striker fired handgun. I mean, I can go through all the features and, and characteristics of it, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, taking it out to the range, it felt really good in my hand. Um, it was easy to shoot the necessarily, the, the necessary accuracy. So we talk about this, this is not a competition gun. This isn't something that you're going to go shoot half inch groups at 50 yards with it's uh it's a combat weapon that's what it's designed for law enforcement to put good hits uh think of it as hitting a pie plate at 25 yards with relative ease um and uh you know talking with them about it and the development of it 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 they spent a lot of time making sure that it would fit different hand sizes it has a interchangeable back strap so if, if you have small hands you can make it the smallest circumference if you have large hands you can make it the largest circumference it's delivered with for a medium-sized hand it fit my hands perfectly as i got it um you know and it, it, the other thing that's really noteworthy about it is it uses what beretta calls a chassis system the trigger group um is what's registered with the atf and serial numbered so you can actually put that trigger group into different frame sizes different size slide assemblies, whatever. And it's still only, as far as the ATF is concerned, one gun. So theoretically, an agency could buy whatever number 
Beretta APXA1 handguns in the duty configuration and then get smaller frames, smaller slide assemblies, shorter barrels, so on and so forth, and build guns for detectives or plain clothes use or, or um, for their SWAT teams or whatever. It's, it's a modular system. Uh, and you would only have to do the paperwork once for the purchase for that uh, serial numbers um, trigger group chat. It's it's that's an amazing thing to me. Um, only one other company I'm aware of has done it, uh, but I think it's going to be the wave of the future. So I don't know what else I can tell you about it, Paul. It was really easy to shoot. It was really easy. Um, you know, reloads were convenient. It's an ambidextrous gun. I think Beretta hit a home run with it. Yeah, and like you talked about in the article and we've talked about in the past, like Beretta's using this as, you know, as a duty re- weapon. Um, how do you think it fit that that purpose? Well, I think it fits it very well. I think it's comparable to all the other major manufacturers. Um, standard capacity, nine millimeters, roughly 17 round magazine. Um, you know, the trigger pull right at that four and a half to five pound mark, very standard. Four and a quarter inch barrel, very standard. It's a little bit more than a six-inch sight radius, very standard. It it fits the bill very well. And it's got a great uh, – the MSRP on it's 529 So I'm sure agency prices, especially bought in bulk, is going to be a lot lower than that. Um, so I think it fits the bill very well. Great. So next we'll talk about um, your article about holsters. And so you kind of focus on a, a good, you know, everyday carry holster. Um what kind of goes into choosing that and what did you found in, in your research and just thinking about what, what makes a good holster for yourself? So, you know, when we talk about everyday carry guns and, and we talk about holsters, we're talking about off duty or plain clothes, right? Yeah. Um, duty holsters are issued. They normally have two or three minimum retention devices and they're big. And since they now have to hold a full size weapon with a light module on it and a red dot sight, they're very bulky. When you're looking at off duty, uh, you know, you want something that's concealable. I mean, the, the whole idea of carrying concealed handgun is that it's concealed. Nobody knows you have it. Um, but when you start trying to carry um, a weapon, for instance, my I carry a Glock 48 uh, all the time, and it's got a red dot sight on it, and it can be equipped with a light to get a holster that's concealable and still secure that weapon in some way beyond gravity. And what I mean is it, it's not just sitting in an open bucket if you think about it you turn the holster upside down the gun falls out you need some kind of retention device uh and friction's nice but eventually friction um it stretches it it can be worn out whether you're wearing material on a polymer holster or you're stretching leather on a leather holster you need some kind of other device a trigger guard hook uh a, a hook or a lever that catches on the ejection port some other secondary device that you have to defeat to draw the holster and that holds the gun into the holster if for whatever reason the holster is inverted or you're in a fight scrabbling on the ground or whatever um so what i look for is a holster that's comfortable wear that is of design so that it can be concealed easily whether that's in the waistband or on the waistband i typically carry on the waistband and that it that's something that has a secondary um, retention device to keep that gun in the holster, no matter what kind of activity I'm being, I'm engaging in. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, when, when we're looking at, you know, types of holsters, brands of holsters, are there any that you would, uh, suggest that, that you think, uh, hold up? You know, and I, I, I hate to 
endorse a whole bunch of different types of holsters. Yeah, yeah. But I've been carrying a DeSantis uh, leather holster um, for a long time. And the benefit that I have is I, I either carry a Glock 43 or a Glock 48. And because of the designs of the Glocks, um, you know, I can use one holster to hold either one of those guns, um, provided that the end of it's open. So what I mean by that is if I have a holster that fits a Glock 43, but it's a closed end holster, then I can't put a Glock 48 in it because the slide and barrel are much longer or a little bit longer. Um, if it's an open end holster, I can put the, either one of those guns in the same holster in the waistband on my belt. DeSantis makes their mini scabbard, which I've used with both guns uh, an, an awful lot for a long time. I've had it for years. Safari Land, uh, when I talked to them at SHOT Show, is supposed to be releasing a holster. I think they called it the Solus, and I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think that's what they called it. And it uses their active locking system, their ALS system, and it will hold. Uh, it's, a, it's a very um, thin design, uh, easily concealable belt on the waistband holster, right? Put it on your belt. Um, and it has a, that secondary retention system, the ALS system. And I'm waiting on one of those. Allegedly, the design will allow me to carry my Glock 48 with or without a light. And the light is the Streamlight TLR7 sub. Um, and then I can carry the Glock 48 with the, with the red dot sight on it or the Glock 43 without the red dot sight on it. Uh, again, you know, because of the way Glock designs their guns and the trigger guard, the distance from the back strap to the trigger guard, all that stuff is so much the same. Um on those specific types of what on the 43 and 48 43x anyway um so the safari land solace i'm really looking forward to that it looked good at shot show and it's what i think i would really like to have to put my glock 48 in uh, until that time i'm using the desantis mini scabbard it's a leather holster with a retention screw to increase friction um and uh that's the best i've found for these guns because there are just not a lot of holster makers out there for the 43 and, and 48 yeah. that make secondary retention devices i have a holster with a thumb strap from desantis excellent holster and then i have a uh inside the waistband holster from bravo concealment that's that's very comfortable to to wear and holds the gun tight enough the body that i don't look like I, i've got a bulge in my my belly that shouldn't be there so you know in, in this article you covered um mainly off duty you know concealed carry holsters when it comes to on-duty holsters, I know um, Safari Land came out with the Safari Vault, yep. and I, I spoke to a representative from from them um, for a quick chat uh, series that we did. Yep. And um, and yeah, so did you get to see that at Shot Show? And what were your thoughts? I'm actually really delighted to say I saw that back in November. Yeah. Uh, at at a media event and the Safari Vault. Uh, when you first look at it, if you've been in law enforcement long enough, you look at it and you go, my God, this is a big, bulky holster. But again, I go back to it's not just holding a handgun. It's holding a weapon system. It's holding a handgun with a light and with a red dot sight. And it's fully enveloping both uh, and protecting them. Um, the motions, you know, for, for drawing it with a little bit of practice, it's a smooth, easy draw, especially if you're. Uh, already familiar with the uh, Safari Land SLS and ALS systems, um, it I think I think it's uh, it's going to go a long way. Uh, I, I think it's going to see plenty of market success. Put it that way. It's it's going to it's going to grow into the industry. Going to get a little bit of resistance at first, I think, and then I think it's really going to gain traction, and you'll see it in, in a lot of agencies coast to coast. Great. And the last um, last article 
for this uh, firearms and firearms accessories special section. Um, you wrote that this will appear online. It's on off-duty and um, self-defense guns. And kind of what, what did you, you know, talk about in this article? And what, what did you kind of explore when it comes to picking out the right self-defense gun? You know, a lot of people have asked me, and I've, I've been a shooter now for probably 45 years or more. I've been a firearms instructor for going on 30 years next year. I've been a police officer, now retired, but I did 40 years in a uniform, all told. And I get a lot of people say, what's the perfect gun? Um, I love to quote a friend of mine. He said, the perfect gun is the one you have in your hand or on your person when you need it. You know, you, I hear people argue the difference between uh, a 1911 45 versus a snub nose 38. You know, uh, well, if the, the 1911 is too bulky and too heavy to carry, so you leave it in your glove compartment and you're in the grocery store and that's when you need the gun. It didn't do you any good at all. It's not the perfect gun. If you've got the Glock, or, or excuse me, if you've got the Model 38, the Snub Nose 38 in your pocket, and you're in the grocery store, that's the perfect gun because it was convenient and comfortable enough for you to carry. So through the years, what I've developed is essentially what I call the three C's. Um, you have to be, uh, you know, the gun has to be comfortable for you to carry. In other words, it's got to be light enough but it has to have enough ammo and in a caliber that you're confident with. So that's the second C. It has to be comfortable, number one, and you have to be confident, number two, that it'll stop the threats you anticipate um, experiencing. So, uh, you know, real quick, I'll tell you, my daughter um, was living in Texas and she was carrying a nine millimeter day in and day out and she was moved to Alaska. And on the trails out there, you, it's a different world. It's not necessarily just the, the, the two-legged predator uh, human being it's it's the four-legged grizzly that might you might encounter out on the trail and she's like so what do i get to carry well nine millimeters probably not getting it you probably need 10 millimeter minimum 44 magnum might not be a bad idea how about going to a rifle um but she didn't have any confidence that the nine millimeter would stop the threats that she might experience so what she had to do was um she had to find that balance. And what was she confident would stop the threats, uh, comfortable enough to carry. And then the other one, the third C is competence. What was she competent with? Because if you can't hit anything with it, if you can't shoot the gun um, and, and be good enough handling it and, and basic marksmanship skills and accuracy, malfunctions, reloads, all that stuff, then, then what's the point of carrying it? If you, if, you find yourself under threat and you can't engage the threat accurately, you kind of have a problem. So it, those were the three C's that I articulated in that article and that I've stood behind now for probably a couple of decades. The, the gun, you have to be uh, confident. It'll stop your expected threat. You have It has to be comfortable for you to carry and you have to be competent when you handle and shoot it. So if you were to suggest a couple of, uh, you know, different, off-duty uh, self-defense uh, guns, what would they be? And could these also be used as uh, backup guns? So, and, and honestly, uh, you know, I just talked about the Glock 43 and Glock 48. Yeah. And what I carry day in and day out. Um, back in the day, I was issued a uh, four-inch 38 special. And I carried a Colt Commander 1911 as a backup gun. Two different calibers, different types of, of, of functioning uh, design, 
it was great to have a backup gun, but there was no way that they were really going to work well together if I needed to, them to. Uh, maybe it would have been better for me to just carry a snub nose 38 of the same frame size as the one I was issued uh, as my duty weapon. These days, when you look at different guns, like the SIG M17, it's a full-size duty weapon, you can get a downsized version of that, and that might be your best backup gun or off-duty gun. It's identical functionality. You can use the same magazines, the large magazines, obviously, the full-size magazines to, to stoke either one or as backup magazines. You can do the same thing with, as the example, the Glock 17 and a Glock 26. Um, you, the, the, the ideal pairing is when you have a full-size duty weapon and an off-duty weapon or a backup gun that has the same functionality, the same handling characteristics. It's all the same practical skills. It's simply that your backup or off-duty gun's a little bit smaller profile, and it uses the same magazines as your duty weapon or will accept your duty weapon magazines. That's the ideal situation to have uh, and what people should be looking for, in my opinion, if they're looking at uh, primary duty weapon and a backup or their duty weapon and an off-duty weapon. To me, that's the perfect world. Okay. And just last thing to end on, Frank, I, I know uh... – I like doing this on these podcasts, but um, <laughs> when you look back at your career at, from the beginning, uh, what was like the first you know firearm you were issued and what was the, the last one? So the first firearm I was issued was a government model 1911-45 by the Army. Uh, when I went as an MP, that they were still carrying that. It was 1982. Uh, they made the transition to the nine millimeter starting in 85. So uh, from my time in the military as an MP, I carried a 45, and I still love the the way a 1911 handles and shoots to this day. Um, my full-size Springfield Armory 1911 is heavy, though. It's an all-steel gun, uh, standard eight-round magazine. One in the chamber gives me nine rounds of 45. Still love the gun. Still shoots awesome, um, but it, it's awfully big and heavy to be carrying day in and day out concealed. Um, my last issued duty weapon interestingly was a, a Beretta 92 FS. Um, my most recent agency though, New Carrollton was carrying uh, the SIG P226 and then they switched to the Smith and Wesson M&P. Um, you know, if, if, and since I no longer have an issued duty weapon, if for some reason my chief called me and said, I need you to put on a uniform and come do this song and dance routine or whatever, um, I would be either putting on a SIG P226 9mm or I'd be putting on a Glock 17, uh, particularly that one, fourth generation 9mm or, and the gun that I, I wish I had been issued and I, and I never, it wasn't available when I needed it or would have been issued it, is the FN 509. Uh, the MRD LE, that this new gun from F, FN that's the LAPD issue gun is just the best duty weapon I can imagine. Um, the, the flat trigger and the red dot sight capability is, is, is a game changer. And I never believed it until I tested it myself. Did I, but did I answer your question? No, definitely. Right. So yeah, I, I want to thank everybody for joining us um, for another officer roll call podcast. Frank, is there anything you wanted to add? I always want everybody to stay safe and get home at the end of the shift. Great. And everybody, if uh, you want to reach out to us at all, you can reach us at editors at officer.com. That's editors at officer.com. Feel free to share any of your thoughts and suggestions and maybe questions you may have for us. So thanks again for joining us and take care. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.